This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, and he'll do what he wants, Ryan Nelson. Justin, remind me to never discuss my favorite movies with a member of Gen Z. That's <laughs> true. Tell me about it. I guess they're not going to have any of the same ones that we do. They're not even going to know the same ones. I the TV at The Godfather. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not a huge fan of The Godfather, but I know the movie that coming at least. Yeah. So, uh, you've been. Goodness. Yeah. I wanted to punch Albie so bad. <laughs> Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy it as we talk about the third episode of the second season of The White Lotus titled Bull Elephants on HBO and HBO Max. If you are new or a regular and like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of The Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash The Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a 3 5 10 or $20 level and when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can't help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review while you're there. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. All right, so we are three episodes into a seven-episode season. This is this is the halfway point with the first season. So we need to kind of start establishing whether or not we think this show is as good in the second season as it was in the first season. So let's kind of start there. What are you thinking so far on that regard? Oh, I think it's I think it's just as good for sure. Um, I think I, there may be more laughs. Uh, Michael Imperioli and F. Perry Abraham are killing me. Yeah, they're great. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have if you watch this on HBO, like the the actual channel, mm-hmm. go back to HBO Max and watch the after credit scene with those two cracking yes. each other. Yeah, up. that was a good one today. That may be my favorite scene of the whole uh, show because <laughs> they true. are, especially Michael. I mean, uh, F. Murray Abraham talks about. They ask which character they would both. Everyone's like Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, right? Body. Jennifer Coolidge. And, and F. Murray Abraham's like, she's just a hoop. And I just started laughing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, why? I think. Yeah, I, I think this is just as good. I, and I was just mentioning, and thank goodness we didn't go too far into it. I thought this was an interesting episode. A lot of times I can see what Mike White's trying to do, but I'm not exactly sure. I think one thing he did, he is pointing out, women, especially American women, have this fantasy that all the men in Europe are so much better. Right. And he's pointing out, the men in Europe are just as bad. Just as bad as the Italians are creepier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're monsters as well. So yeah. So don't think you're going to move over here. And it's, uh, I think that was one thing he was pointing out. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if I like this one quite as much. Look, I really do like it. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. it. 
But I do miss the Jake Lacey, Murray Abraham, uh, or Murray Bartlett relationship. I've missed that so much. I agree. We we didn't realize, you know, uh, Murray Bartlett, because uh, he was, uh, that was the, that's the actor's name. Yeah, Murray Bartlett. Like, he was uh, just an incredible actor that we he had was. never seen before. And that, he was just a special talent. And then having a Jake Lacey there to them to fight off each other yes that part is missing here i did like how we got some different shades of valentina in this episode yeah we did but she's not the same there's not that dynamic no there's not there's not that dynamic. he hit gold and you're talking about these those were the probably if you look at the cast list probably the seventh eighth characters yeah they were you Mm -hmm. know and then also Sydney Sweeney is probably ninth. Yeah. He hit gold with those those characters that were down there. And like you said, the dynamic that Murray Bartlett and Jake Lacey had that we are kind of missing in this season. Right. But I will say, like, I really like uh I like F. Murray Abraham. I thought Aubrey Plaza was running away with this episode because the what she does at the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. I was this is her episode. And then Michael Imperioli is like uh, I'm not just Christopher from The Sopranos. <laughs> I can act. Yeah, and he was he really good. He was. I was actually telling my wife, I was like, I'm so glad he got this role because he has been in the shadow of Christopher Montesani for the last 20 years. And this is a chance for him to show a different side of him. He is really, really good in this. Yeah, he is. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been listening to the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer, uh, on the Ringer section of podcasts, and they, mm-hmm. they're covering this as well. It's Joanna Robinson and Bill Simmons who are doing the, yeah. covering the show on, on that feed. And that's one of the things that they talked about in last week's episode is that Michael Imperioli he got into this role and nobody that role on Sopranos. I like I said, I, I'm not a huge Sopranos yeah. fan, so I haven't. I'm not. I'm not just attached to him for that reason, but I know you are. Yeah. And they said, you know, he got that role, and he. It's the type of role where people had a really difficult time picturing him as anybody else because that role defined him so much. Yes. And he hasn't, his career just didn't take off like a lot of people thought it would just because, right. you know, he was such a huge star in that, in that show and in that role. But he, people just couldn't figure out anything else that he could do except for that. All they could see him as was that one person. And honestly, the person who was playing his father, after. Similar. Yeah, he had the same role. Uh, uh, F. Murray Abraham, after he played Salieri, he, he got, an, I mean, he gets an Oscar for that. Now everybody's like, well, what else? That's all we can really see you as. So he didn't have a right. huge career. He He's had a really nice career. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, yeah. but after he did Salieri and Amadeus, uh, people, he, he struggled to find roles that were, would really use him. And I'm really excited for him to be able to be in this as well. Cause he kind of has the same thing. I'm, and yeah. he, he's kind of had a little bit of a renaissance here. The last, right, the last yeah, week. he has. And I was going to mention, in the scenes afterwards, when they're discussing the episode, uh, Mike, Michael Imperioli mentions that he doesn't like going on tours, especially right. with people he doesn't know. And my wife was like, I know why, because people are like, hey, Christopher, hey, <laughs> Christopher. You know? So I was like, yeah, the harassment he must hear on the street from, that's the one. They don't tell you about that. If you are a hit character in right. a TV show, you will not, not, you're going to hear about it for the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, you will. You, you absolutely will. So yeah. uh, where do you want to start with this one? Because obviously there's lots of different arcs and we got to start somewhere. So where yeah. do you want to start? 
let's start with Aubrey Plaza because I love what she was doing, and I don't, I still can't figure out Ethan. Yeah, he's the one that I can't figure out. I mean, my part of me thinks that part of me thinks that they are getting ready to reveal that he's actually gay. Uh, yes, because he, and he was he was Jerry Falwell and his uh, his friend over there at the end. Well, he. He was, but he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't aroused by anything that was going on. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's what's so weird about this. I mean, you can think because like they they take the thing that they did in the previous episode where he's always horny after he comes back from a run, right. and he was jacking off after the previous yeah. uh, after his run the previous one. So Aubrey Plaza, she's trying to you know she wants she wants to have sex with him, and yeah. so she's like, all right, well I'll take advantage of that. I'll wake up. I'll get in sexy little nightgown. And he wants nothing to do with it. So you're just no. wondering at this point, is he? You know, because when this when this show first started, you kind of thought that she was the a hole, and you're starting to think, no, she's not the a hole. It's him. I thought this. I thought the same thing, and I thought like, okay, let's just. Aubrey Price is, is a very attractive yes, woman. Yes, she is very attractive. And woman. she was pulling off her job. Mm-hmm. Like, how is he not stopping? He looked, didn't even give her a look. He didn't. He didn't even glance at he her. He looked and looked annoyed. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think he has some repressed uh, feelings for, for uh, Cameron, Cameron. Mm-hmm. that I think we're going to see. Uh, yeah, I think you're right because at the end when they have the hookers and they're they've yeah. hooked up with them, and we're kind of we're jumping ahead, obviously. Yeah. And Mia comes over to him and she's trying to you know get him turned on and he's he just wants nothing to do with it. And when he turns around, he looks at Lucia and Cameron going at each other. He's he looks kind of disgusted. And yeah. I, I think you're right. I think he he's got yeah. something for Cam that yeah. he's either suppressed or he doesn't really realize, and he's or he's trying to fight it back. And like when they when they make the suggestion in at the beginning of this for the boys to go off and do their thing, for the girls to go off and do their thing, it look it really felt like Ethan was like, you know what? I don't know about all this. I'm not. I don't really know that I want to be left alone. It's like he yeah. wants he wants to cam to kind of know how he feels if that's where they're going with this anyway he it's like he wants cam to know how they how he feels about him but he doesn't truly want to know if that makes any sense no it does it definitely does uh it was it's just weird i cannot figure him out it's it's got to be that he he's got to be gay yeah it really feels that and something with camera uh and i loved aubrey plaza from the scene when she was turned down even though she was like she was so excited, it's like I'm about to be the funnest person on this trip. Exactly. And just how and she her whole demeanor changed. And you could tell there were times it was very hard for her. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. But uh she was pulling off the headband, she looked happy, she was making conversation. I just love I love what she was doing. Yeah, That's what I, I actually wrote down. I was like, This is the Aubrey Plaza episode. And then when uh and Ethan was delighted, I will say yes, that he was. he was watching her and he's like all right. Yeah. He, he's, he was smiling. It's like, she's pulling us off. But when, uh, uh, Daphne said, Hey, why don't we go? Her whole demeanor changed. She's like, Oh God, I yeah. wasn't put <laughs> I wasn't this playing the, this. Uh, right. Cards. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that, that was good. Cause, uh, Oh, I, I know we prayed her. I, I really like Megan Fay. I yeah, love I what she's doing. There is more to that character. We can go into her when they go to their, their spot. But, like I said, Aubrey Plaza, like, the smiling face just all of a sudden went away for a minute because she was all of a sudden worried, like, oh, God, I'm going to have to spend 
right. hours with this crazy woman. Right. And then she finds out that she's got to spend the night with her. It's like, and that makes yeah. it even worse. So she's like, oh, gosh, yeah. I've got to spend the night with this woman. Uh, one of the things that I like about they're doing with these four characters is they have, you know, you kind of got the feeling that there was a bit of a facade between Cameron and Daphne. You, you yeah. that there's, there had to be, it can't be as good as it is like these, cause these two, you know, they talk about how they never fight. They never, uh, they don't pay attention to news or anything like that. And you're like, and they, it's like, they never talk or something like they don't have real conversations. Cause if they're not right. fighting, they don't have real conversations. And you're like, that can't truly be the foundation for a good marriage. And it's starting to reveal that it's not. Cameron makes it very clear that he cheats quite a bit. Uh, Daphne knows that they have one instance, but she figures there's probably more. And she basically uses that as like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And that's how I'm going to make up for this. And it's... A really unhealthy relationship, and right. like I said, you just didn't know. You you kind of felt like that was going to be the case at the beginning of this, but you just, I didn't know how far they were going with it. And they've gone pretty far with it. Yeah, I love how they were like. Uh, I think Daphne is not as bad of a character. There's more to her. Oh, there is, mm-hmm. and and she's actually. I think she she loves Cameron. I bet she loves her children. Right. She and she knows she has a good life, so she's making it work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she like, hey, I know he's, but but that's why I get to go do my thing, like rent a villa. Yeah. Exactly. You know. You know. And then, uh, but I like Cameron. They're like from the get go. They're like, this guy seems like kind of a kind of a dick and a monster. And he is. Yeah, he he's is. Exactly, he's exactly what you thought he was going to be. Right. And when he had the nerve to say, oh, God, you don't lie to your wife? I didn't know that. Right. Like, who says that? And well, what's great about that, he does the thing that, like, is, like, the ultimate, I'm not trying to insult you, but I'm insulting you by saying, yeah. that's so sweet. That is. Yeah, yes. That yes. is, because that is the biggest thing that's, like. Yeah. If you tell if a man is telling you that to another man, they are they think it is really pathetic what you're doing. But you, you have no balls, right? Exactly. So they're going, to, but they don't want to insult you. So they're going to say that's so yeah. sweet. So, yeah. uh, like I said, I, I thought that was just fantastic right there. One of the other things that I thought they did a great job of because Aubrey Plaza's character Harper at the beginning of this at the beginning of this show for this season told Ethan she said he's going to try to hit you up for a money making scheme and it it landed in this one and it pretty much sounded like the reason Cameron has money is because he does it through illegal means on the stock market right Yes, yes. Just a little. What did he say? A little, little. T- t- just a little whisper in the ear or something. Right. He mm-hmm. said something like that. Yes. And uh, my friend uh, Parker Hendricks, who I think listens to us sometimes, he brought another point. Cameron may need help from Harper. From he may have some allegations against him. Not that true. may be the other reason he's bringing them on this trip. It just true. hasn't come out yet because he's tried to to warm up to her. Right now, I think part of that is he's trying to, you know, get in bed with her. But I wonder if they're, especially when he's screaming on the phone and he's already made, you know, allegations are usually lies. Right. I wonder if there's not something there with that. Also, I want to shout out. I love the accent Theo James uses for an American accent. He's British. Yeah. He could be from anywhere in the country. Yeah, he could. Mm-hmm. He could be. He's not putting on a terrible Boston accent. He's not putting on a bad New York. Right. He's not putting on a really bad Southern, which we've seen a lot of yeah, lately. Yeah, yeah. But he, he could be anywhere, and I like I like his accent. I want to shout him out. 
Yeah, he's Neil the, James, man. I'm becoming a bigger fan of him by yeah, the day. Yeah, he's he's doing a very good job in the show. And like I said, I I wasn't really sure what they were doing with all these. I'm, look, I don't. Aubrey Plaza is fantastic in this episode. And you talked yes. about it. She's just so so very good. And I still don't know 100 percent what road they're taking her down either. Like Ethan yeah. seems to be a, a bit of a mystery, but she seems to be just as much of a mystery as well, because you know, she's obviously trying, look, I don't know that the two have ever had sex at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what are you thinking? I mean, I, I think they have, but I can't imagine there was much passion or fulfillment on either side. Yeah. I can't imagine that either. And like, like I said, it, it seems like that's, it's a very rare occurrence for these two, but so, can I ask one thing about uh, Harper? Do you think... Now, granted, something's going to happen that probably doesn't. I feel like at the end of this, uh, in, in some situations, her and Daphne could end up being friends because she does not... As as it goes on, even when she's not wanting to hang out with Daphne, I don't think she has a bad time with her. Yeah, I think you're correct about that. I, I kind of got that same feeling. I think she kind of warmed up to her as yeah as the day went on and i think her edible probably helped with that but uh yes yes but yeah all replies she's just really kind of hard to figure out because she doesn't fit into this world she doesn't fit into this this uber rich world where everybody has all this money so she she's she's very uncomfortable in that she's very uncomfortable when daphne reveals to her that they're going to be spending a night at this place and that wasn't something that she was kind of banking on and she doesn't really know what to do with it. She finds herself being, you know, just completely s- stared down by all these Italian men. And, like, part of me got the sense from her that she's creeped out by it, but she also kind of enjoyed having men, right, like, want to look at her because her husband is not. I, I think you're right. And my wife made the, the astute uh, observation it probably wasn't as bad. That was her sense. Yeah, that's kind of the sense I got too. Because, yeah. like, when she's by herself, it's just all these men, all these men. But the right, moment right, that right. Daphne shows up, the men kind of disperse, and then there are more women that were off to the side. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right yeah. about. It. I think she's. I think your wife is correct about that because I got the same feeling. I was like, I don't know that what she is actually, what they're actually showing to us, is what is truly happening. Has she had the edible at that point? I don't think she had. Had she? No, because that was the next thing. Yeah, that was the next thing. Okay, because like yeah. I said, I think she was kind of it was being played up in her head to be worse than it actually was. Because like I said, the, there was a very there was a definite change once Daphne came into the screen and she was uh, involved in the scene as well. Yeah. It, it really felt like that as well. And, and this wasn't my line of the week, but it involved the uh, the uh, James. Uh, uh, and I hope it's not yours, and I apologize, but it, it needs to be p- repeated. I actually laughed when he said. Monogamy was created by the elites to control the middle class. Yeah, it's not mine, but that's a good line. I was like, what? (laughs) That is such a white lotus line. Yeah, really. Only white lotus get away with that. It is just hilarious. Yeah. Well, I take that back. I could see multiple characters. Tom on Succession. I could see him saying that. Oh, yeah, that's true. You could see him saying that very easily. So, Uh, but. Obviously, the girls are having their their time, and there's also another moment in this that I clocked that she calls the people that 
Cameron works with, she calls them absolute psychopaths. Uh, so, yes. like I said, if you're trying to figure out where the dead bodies are going to end up showing up or who might be responsible for, the fact that she calls the people that she, he works for absolute psychopaths, and like she was like really stressing that, you know, there, there's another mm-hmm. hint that they're kind of throwing out there. And like I said, the mis- that the, the whole murder mystery part of it isn't necessarily that important in the stories or the the week to week episodes of it, but it's still it's still in the back of your mind right uh i did think that again when they're swimming in the pool uh and they got the men looking at them uh that's another thing that i kind of clocked with aubrey plaza she she liked the fact that these men were looking at her so Mm -hmm. like i said you you Mm -hmm. get quite a bit of that from her but when she's at when she's had this edible and they're back at the hotel she's in this really just weird contemplative state uh and she's just giving off weird vibes she's talking to daphne and it's like obviously it has kind of you know loosened her up a little bit because she's actually talking to, to Daphne. She's like she starts asking about you know do you think Ethan cheats? Do you think he's doing any of this type of stuff? But I still don't know you know I still don't know what they're trying to set up with her. I think they're going to eventually let us know, but I still don't know where they're going with that character. Yeah, I don't either. It's that that couple is just is as a complete mystery now on the opposite end you have the men that are off and they're off the reason that they end up separating is because uh daphne wants to go to nodo i think is what she calls that yeah, place I think it's quite a call, yeah and theo james's character cameron wanted to go jet skiing with ethan so that's how they end up separating ethan and cameron are on their jet skis they're having a big time and cameron is basically trying to take over and show him you know this is what life can actually be like if you're a rich guy you can have all these women Mm -hmm. you can have all this fun because they're he like said he gives him the, the manifesto about how you know everybody cheats it's and ethan's like really do they and he's like oh yeah everybody cheats and this yeah. is when the the hookers have been turned down by michael imperioli's uh dominic and yeah. earlier in the episode we'll talk about them in a little bit but they've been turned down for prostitutes <laughs> that's right uh they t- they turn them uh they get turned down because he wants to make a change that's what he talks about but he really doesn't which we'll talk about later uh so they've got to find they got to find another source of income for the night and that's when she keys in that's when lucia keys in on uh on cam and ethan and that's when everything kind of starts uh what i also found interesting about this is when they're showing them leading up to this like cam is like really affectionate towards ethan he's always got his arm around he's kissing him on the cheek uh we we talked about that as well so, like I said, I think that's another thing that is might be frustrating Ethan. If they are going to go down the road with with him being gay, once good, I feel pretty confident about that. We could we could be wrong yeah. about that, but if you know, that's probably frustrating him even more because he's getting all this affection from him, and I feel like Cam is just he's just being a guy he's just doing guy things, yeah. and that's going to make things even worse. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah. Though. Well, let's say bad guy thinks is like I'm not doing that. I well, that's true. That <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're you're correct about that. So, um, like I said, uh, I can't wait to see what they do with that because if apparently when they wake up the next morning, if you saw the the coming up next week on White Lotus, like he doesn't have enough cash to cover the yeah, the, yeah. the hookers. So I'll, I'll be interested yeah. where all that goes down. Uh, you want to go to the three, uh, the three DeGrasso yeah, men? Let's do it. All right. So, F. Murray Abraham's uh, character, Bert DeGrasso, uh, Michael Imperioli's Dominic, and Aubrey, not Aubrey Plaza. Um, uh, I can never remember the Adam 
and DeMarco. And DeMarco, uh, Albie. They are getting ready to go on a tour. They have invited uh, Haley Lee Richardson's character, Portia, to come along with them. But this is the first time that Dominic gets caught with the hookers because he's waking up and they are standing outside his room when when Bert wakes up and Bert's like, hey, there's some nice little yeah. ladies there. He's just been the creepy old man that he's supposed to be. Uh, he is uh, almost impressed with his son. Yeah, he almost is. He, he's almost impressed with him. Not quite, but he's, he's pretty close. But yeah. what I'm taking away from this is, you know, Haley Richardson is... You know, she's kind of a bit of a hypocrite in all this. What do you think? I am, as this goes on, I don't like her character. I'm liking her character least. Yeah, she's becoming less and less likable. She's very likable at first because she kind of yeah. feel like she's she's stuck on this at this resort. Uh, her boss is being awful to her, and you kind of feel for her, but the moment that she meets up with Albie and look, I don't feel a whole lot of sympathy for Albie either. Like neither of these people are, are gaining a whole lot of sympathy because no. he, he is trying to present something that I don't feel that he is. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I think we're going to find out Albie is as much of a monster as his father and grandfather. Yeah. I think we're going, cause they're, they're really put out the vibes. He's being done wrong and he's a good guy. Right. Uh, I have a feeling we're being, uh, being done wrong, but I didn't like her part of where she wants this guy to be more aggressive and, and, he, and what he tries passion, and he does. And then she obviously is more into the guy in the pool and right. wants Albie to go away. I was just like, and I'll be honest, that brought some PTSD for my life. As oh, really? man. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh God. <laughs> hey, Albie, I know you brother. Yeah. Like I said, she, she seems to be really interested in, in the guy who takes the shirt off of the pool. He's just this muscle-bound dude. Yeah. Uh, and Albie shows up, and she's like, oh, crap, now he's here. And that kind of kills anything that I have. And then he makes the move that she wanted. And he, she doesn't and want anything to do with it. it. Yeah, 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 she doesn't want anything to do with afraid. it. She's uh, she's afraid she's scared off the pool guy. Right. But Albie is fighting so hard to be this, like, I'm not like my dad. I'm not like my, mm-hmm. my grandfather. And he's like, calls them out for... Uh, for liking the Godfather because he says, you know, it's movies like the Godfather that make men want to, uh, be, they feel emasculated and they want a woman who will just, uh, come home and like fix their dinner and not ever ask them questions and just basically leave them alone. And look, he's not wrong in part of this because the fact that Bert says, yeah, that's a great fantasy. <laughs> like Bert's like, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's just kind of doubling down to the fact that Bert's just a creepy old man, but he is, you know, he is just insulting his father and his grandfather left and right because and he is so wanting to make it sh- seem like I am not like them. I am not like them because right. nine times out of ten, when you're fighting that hard, it's because you are just like them. Right. We saw this with Sydney Sweeney that right. she played so well. You know, she couldn't stand her mother, Connie Britton. And, and come to like find her. out, mm-hmm. they are exactly the same. Yeah, she. they are exactly the same. And not to mention, we, you know, we didn't even, you know, we talked about this. Connie Britton was an extremely impressive person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you want to be like her? Right, exactly. And she was fighting so hard to not be like yeah. her. And it was, it, like I said, it just worked really well in that season. Yeah. I think that's working really well in yeah. this season as well. Uh, you know, like I said, it's uh, Dominic, he is trying to turn over a new leaf. He obviously has some really bad womanizer uh, history yeah. he you know he tells the he tell he tried to tell the hookers the previous night you know y'all don't I, I don't want to do this i'm trying to be different and they convince him 
they convince him they they convince him not to go down that road uh but he, he kind of sets his foot down a little bit with them on this one and he, they go that's how they end up going off with cameron and ethan but when he's sitting there at the bar all alone he is just looking at every single woman that is there yes. and you can tell that he is not having the best of thoughts and he eventually just walks away but you yeah. can tell that yeah he may say he wants to change but he really doesn't you know, we'll see on him because yeah, he did. He did leave. Yeah, he did leave. You're he right. Could, he could have. Because I'm going to tell you, there was a brief second he looked over at Tanya. And <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually screamed, "No, right. go back to your room! <laughs> no, no, no!" Yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of got the same thing. It's like, yeah, I don't think. I think they just want to kind of tease us with that, and yeah, it's, yeah. It, hopefully that they don't go down that road with it. Uh, yeah, but, go ahead. But I loved. Uh, I loved. F. Murray Abraham, he begs him, He uh, Dominic begs him, do not bring up the prostitutes. Yes, and he's still never bringing up the prostitutes. He does everything he can to bring up the prostitutes. Exactly. <laughs> including about how he got no sleep last night. That's right. And yeah. then later on about those are the, those are the girls. Oh, that's right. Those are the girls. the girls. Yeah. yeah. But I really love the scene. It was It was a very powerful scene between Albie and Dominic and where he's like, Dominic's like, I want to be a better man. He's like, you're going to have to change. Right. You can't, you keep saying it, but you don't change. Right. I thought, thought, uh, really, really well done by Adam DeMarco, uh, you know, being going toe to toe with Imperioli. And like I said, I'm just going to say it again, getting, I'm so glad Michael Imperioli got this role. Right. You know, uh, when I saw he was cast, I was happy, and he's delivering more than I could even imagine. And he he is so good, so good in this role. And I I, I kind of hope he actually improves as a person. I, I'm kind of rooting for him now. Yeah, true. I, I am too. Uh, and I'm hoping. I'm also rooting that Laura Dern shows up and rips into him because I want to see this <laughs> two go at it. Yeah, and I want to see her and F. Murray Abraham go at it. Please let Laura Dern show up. You're teasing it. You're teasing it. Yeah, I would be interested to see if she shows up as well. Uh, let's go ahead and talk. Let's talk about Tanya and uh, Greg. Obviously, Greg takes off at the beginning of this episode, and we start to get weepy Tanya back in this one. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm I'm just ready for to go down that road yet. I want to see more uh, as the show yeah. develops uh, because there's a part of me that's like that was such a great part of her character last season, but I, I don't necessarily know that I want to go down that same road this I season. Thought the same thing. I, I thought it looked a uh, it was a little much. It was it's a little overkill. I, it's hard not to love everything Jennifer Coolidge does, but right. her crying it's just so much. Also, I love John Grease. His reaction of like look around like oh god right. really are we really are we really doing this but we do find out he no longer has cancer because right. she paid for all these doctors right so I did clock that yeah, I was like there's something there and uh, and then we saw she's back to her old ways abusing her assistant abusing her assistant right and, and then it, she she's a she we're seeing more villainous than of her this this season yeah we are we're starting to see much more uh villainous treacherous type role for her in this episode this season uh, for the season overall uh one of the things i thought uh, the i liked about what they're doing with her character is they continue to make her show her in just these complete the 
pain and the drama that she is feeling through this, through her relationship, she just lashes out at people as a result. She lashes out yeah. at, she lashes out at Haley Richardson's Portia. Uh, that's the, that's kind of the main person that she's lashing out, but she's lashing out at this, this tarot card reader that she brings mm-hmm. in because, you know, she said it's negative. She's just negative. She's just negative. Like, well, I mean, look, I don't believe in fortune tellers or anything like that. But, you know, if you're bringing a fortune teller and you want them to tell your future, you don't want them to just tell you something positive. I'm thinking you want to actually gain some insight. And she's getting what she's getting insight that she doesn't like and it, it's making her mad. So she lashes out against her. Yeah. Uh, the whole, like I said, I'll be interested in how much they. What they if they completely revert her character's arc back to what she was last season, or if they are going to try to do something different with her in the rest well, of this? We're about to see something different because I don't know. Finally, Tom Hollander shows up. Yes, he did. He did finally show and up for a brief moment. Look at a brief moment because he's been in the cast every episode. He was in the original trailer, and they kept looking at each other, and I was like. Bring this on now, because <laughs> he's very good at playing a crazy character. Yeah, and I was wondering if they were ever going to bring him into this show because he's been on the he's been on the cat he's been on the credits. You yeah. see his name, and you, he's in on all the IMDb stuff. And we finally see him for a brief moment. We also well, that was him that Lucia was trying to like hook up with it for before he went to uh, before she think, went yeah, th- yeah, yeah at the yeah. bar. That's what I thought I think too. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, we haven't seen him. We haven't really figured out what his character is going to be because he only shows up for a brief moment in this episode. So I'm guessing they'll bring him in more for next episode. I could be wrong about that, but that kind of feels the case. Uh, but yeah, like I said, so many of these people, it's so hard to find somebody to root for. And I think right now the only person that we're kind of rooting for at this point is Harper, which is surprising based off of what we first got from them. What do you think? Well, I would say Harper, definitely Harper. I was going to say Albie, but I think I, 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 he's losing me, especially when he chastises dad and his grandfather right. for no reason about the godfather. Right. I, I'm still kind of rooting for Dominic to become a better person. Yeah. Because, like, this episode, before I didn't care. Right. But like, now, like, I do think he kind of wants to uh, – yeah, you're right, and I I like I like Daphne. Yeah, I, Daphne I, you know, too. That's she. Yeah, can't. I would I would say she was one of the only ones. But you're right, Mia Mia as well. Yeah, Mia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucia, no, Valentina. I thought we got. I liked her role this one because you see how you see how why she's so hardened because she says I can't come get get a cup of coffee without some guy staring at my tits right, and harassing. Yeah, exactly. So you see why she's so hard. But then she has a nice moment with the other staff member who's praising her for being, you know, such an impressive female. And it was nice for her to hear that because right. obviously she doesn't hear that. So I do like that we're getting that. I do think when you're comparing season one to season two, and you made a good point, Murray Bartlett and uh, Jake uh, Lacey. Jake Lacey, we missing that. We also missed the 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 young lady that uh tanya took advantage of yeah i thought the workers i thought they were easier to like now lucia and mia are likable yeah they are but i just, I just haven't caught on to them i think mia could i think with yeah the i think singing, definitely good mm-hmm. yeah i think we may get more with mia because the singing thing seems to be a bigger thing uh, so I'm hoping with that, because we have a lot of episodes left, so I think Mia could end up being a fan favorite. Yeah, I think the, she uh, could, but I'm a little concerned that 
she's going to be corrupted by Lucia yes. and everything that's yeah. going on because that, I, I feel like that's yeah. going to be, that's going yeah, to that, happen. That, that's my that's my concern. Because there is this point if you watch the the coming up next week where Lucia says something to her about uh, she's created a monster or something like that. Yeah. So like I said, I'll be interested how they are going to play that out. But uh, it's it's a really good episode. It's a really solid episode. Uh, like I said. I'm still not 100% certain if I, I like this show as much as I do like last season. I think it is yeah. just as well done. I think the acting the acting may be even better. Uh, yeah, I'm, just not sure, I'm not sure that the story has me hooked in quite as much. So, like I said. No, I, could, I could see that. And let me throw out, this is something we mentioned in the first season, and he's done it again. The score is really good. Yeah, it is. Because mm-hmm. you could tell when tension's about to, when Cameron comes on, tension the music like like mm. there's more like violin it's a lot more tension you're like oh god and I, about that. something else i noticed that we talked about in the first episode that we didn't get any of in the second episode the faces mm-hmm. kind of showed I up a little bit more to, yeah mm-hmm. they sure did yeah like I, said, I don't know what they're doing with those faces but they're doing something because yeah. they 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 had definitely had a more of a presence in this one all these statues that the and they mentioned the faces in the first episode when they were getting checked in and you saw some of them like i said we didn't get any of it in the second episode but we yeah. got more of it in this episode so uh, have we talked about everything? Do we need to go ahead and go to our awards, or is there something else we yeah, need to talk about? I think we, I think we're ready for awards. All right, so let's do our weekly awards up first every week on the Main Attraction Podcast. When we're in the middle of a season of a show, we give three weekly awards. Up first is the Tyrion Lannister, the MVP, the guy or the gal who kind of stood out the most to you in the episode. Who are you going with? I'm going with Coase. I didn't think I was going to do this. I thought Aubrey Plaza was going to completely run away. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I thought Michael Imperioli really showed a lot in this episode because he had some really tough scenes and he had some hilarious scenes. Him and F. Murray Abraham are cr- great cracking me up. I, they have found something with those two. So I'm going Aubrey Plaza and Michael Perioli. I just went with Aubrey Plaza. I, I thought she was fantastic. Uh, I was yeah. really just captivated by her. I think uh, I, I, w- yeah. I think she's just so very, very good. And when when you find the right role for her, she can yeah. absolutely steal the, steal the show whenever well, she's on She it. can because you know, she started off with the sexy role. Then she started off with like you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sweet girl right and, and then and then the fear right exactly <laughs> and then she was back to like confused menacing I mean yeah. she was all over the place like this is a fantastic role for her what 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 a what a great casting that was yeah it was it's just absolutely fantastic casting next is the Agatha all along the best scene of the week what'd you go for for your Agatha all along I really struggle with this one because there's think. two two that I'm I think we could go with. The the first when Aubrey Plaza goes to breakfast, yeah, that was a good. Just, one. Mm-hmm. She just put on a show, and then I, I gotta say when <laughs> I think I'm going with this one when on the way to breakfast where F. Murray Abraham brings up the prostitutes, the prostitutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then he beg and then Michael Perry begs him not to bring them up, and he immediately, immediately brings, brings them up. up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I'm going with that because it was just it was just hilarious. I'm going with the at towards the end of this when Aubrey Plaza is in her robe and she's having this discussion with Daphne and you get this this is like one of the more serious points of the show where they're having this kind of deep revealing conversation uh especially for Daphne about Cam and just her kind of her overall feelings towards him I get a much more 
like I, I, you know, we didn't really talk about this as well. I'm starting to wonder if Daphne's got kind of a sinister vibe to her as well because yeah. she, you know, she talks about, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm, I do what I want. Uh, and this is how I kind of deal with things. Right. And, you know, maybe obviously if that's the case, she's kind of been pushed that towards that by her husband, who's just an absolutely awful person. But yeah. I, I really like that. I thought that scene was very revealing about both, uh, really more about Daphne, but I thought it was very revealing the fact that Aubrey's kind of, Aubrey Plaza's character, Harper, is kind of settling in and kind of getting comfortable with Daphne. And I don't know where that's going to lead, but it, I thought that yeah. it was really good between the two of them. Yeah, that, that was good. All right, the next is the If You Come With The King, You Best Not Miss, your best line for this week. So what'd you go with? So uh, I I wrote down at one point, I thought it was going to be, it was going to be actually, uh, oh, man, what is uh, Haley Lou? Portia. Yeah, Portia. When she said, there, there must have been a time within the world where there was more mystery. But then she went on and on about Instagram and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to hear you talk anymore, <laughs> you young person. But I'm sorry, when F. Murray Abraham, <laughs> when, when Bert breaks up, I couldn't sleep last no, night. That's the, there was a lot. There was a lot of noise in the other oh, room, room coming yeah. through the walls. I got the same one. Uh, I was laughing. Oh my god, he is so funny. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham is just fantastic in the, in in this yeah. show. Like I said, he is doing it as kind of a side character for the most part that he's been, but yeah. he's just really, really. He just adds so much. Look, it's 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 kind of a dramedy show, uh, and, but when it really when he's there, it really focuses more on the comedy aspect. Oh, of I, it, so. I, I'm calling it now. He, he is best supporting actor nominee waiting to happen. Yeah, Probably I feel that way too. Theo James might as well, but Imperioli and him are, are locks. I'm yeah. calling it now. And Aubrey Plaza as a, and potentially Daphne Fay. Those, those are locks as well. Right. But like F. Murray Abraham, man, he he is killing it. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is killing it. All right, so we do have a five-tier rating system here on the Main Attraction Podcast. At the top of our rating system is a Game of Thrones. Underneath the Game of Thrones is Lost. Middle of the Road Force is Friends. Beneath Friends is Full House. And at the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch. Uh, we both have been at Lost for this season. Uh, so far, where are you going with your ranking so far after three episodes? Yeah, I'm sticking with the loss, but I, I still think we're going to get to Game of Thrones. I do, but I'm with you. There are some we're not connect. We're missing Murray Bartlett. Yeah, we for are. sure. I almost wish we hadn't killed him off. I know, and too. somehow know. he got tra- he got transferred to the Italy. Yeah, I know. You know? But uh, I do think I think the Italian side of it we haven't connected to them like like I they probably had hoped. Right, but. I'm going to trust Mike White for now that he's going to figure out a way for us to do that, and I think Mia is a could be a big part yeah. of why. I think you're I think you're right about that. I'm with you though. I'm still with the Lost, and like I said, it's just things that I brought up earlier. I, I there is something like I said. I think the acting may be better in this in this season, but yeah. the story itself though doesn't have me quite as hooked in. Look, it's still really good. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want people to think that we're, we're we're bashing it for that reason. It's still really good. Lost is still a really solid rating, but it still is missing just a little something to give me that confidence to push it up to well, Game of Thrones. And I think you're right. I think the the humor that F. Murray Abraham and Michael Perioli are bringing their their chemistry. <laughs> I mean, they're, oh, they're, yeah. it's the most comedy we've seen for sure. Yeah, it really is. So, all right. So here on the Main Attraction Podcast, with this episode, we like to do recommendations for our listeners. What are some recommendations that you have for our listeners? 
right, so I got a few. One of them is it's from HBO Max. There is a fantastic docu-series called The Last Movie Stars, and it is about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Okay. And it's actually directed by Ethan Hawke. Really? And so, yes, Paul Newman's family uh, reached out to Ethan Hawke and said, we have all this footage and we have these tapes uh, from where Paul Newman interviewed all these famous friends of his. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he takes the tapes and he gets, Ethan Hawke gets his own friends like there are people uh, on here. Ewan McGregor's one. George Clooney voices. uh, uh, George Clooney voices. Paul Newman and Lorraine Lenny, uh, uh, Laura Lenny is uh, Joanne Woodward. But it's uh, fascinating to see their uh, their story because what we find out is Joanne Woodward was the star. Oh, really? At the beginning of this. Okay. Like, she had multiple Oscars. Like, she was a huge star. Then they started having children, and her career kind of slowed out. And then Paul Newman got lucky and he was nearly 40 right. when he finally became a star. And he was in the shadow of James Dean and Marlon Brando. So he has, like, resentment from that. And it's just interesting to see. When you think of Paul Newman, you think of maybe the coolest actor of all time. Just a right. good-looking, yeah, uh-huh. just, like, owns the screen. Right. And then you find, like, like he was he had a lot of self-doubt because mm-hmm. he wasn't Brando. Right. And, like... Uh, he ends up really becoming a bigger star and bigger, like more well known. Now, granted, I did this isn't in the documentary. I found a disturbing stat not long ago because of this documentary. They asked people, "What do you know Paul Newman for?" And people under thirty say thought cars. He was a salad dressing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was going to say cars, but salad dressing is even worse. <laughs> yeah, but it is. I know, but it's a six episode about their careers, and it's very fascinating. And Joanne Woodward, man, she is an interesting, interesting woman. The stuff she says, I, I loved it. Uh, and especially Ethan Hawke is, it's like Sam Rockwell, all these famous actors that you're going to recognize right. or are the people he's talking to. So it's, it's really good. Now, due to that, HBO Max has a lot of Paul Newman movies right. on there. And my wife uh, had not, had, she thought she had seen some. So we watched Cool Hand Luke uh, Friday night. Now, I love Cool Hand Luke. It's one of the movies I like. She liked it, but she did not like it as much as I thought she would. There's something about Andor and that movie that, because it involves, I don't, if you know the Cool Hand Luke, he's in prison. Right. And he's the one who, he doesn't take anything from the evil, and he kind of leads the people. Right. So, there were some vibes with Andor that I got from Cool Hand Luke that I just, I love the movie anyway, and I think it's really good. So that was one of them. The other one, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, is on there, and I watched that uh, early. We watched it earlier today. I freaking love that movie. That is a movie I think you could show if you're teenager was into film and stuff. Mm. I think you could watch it, because I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure two humans have ever looked better on screen and cooler than Robert Redford and Paul Newman in that movie. Yeah, I'm trying to. I actually saw it when, like, my world history teacher in tenth grade showed us that film. I don't remember why she showed it to us because I'm trying to think. Well, it's a true story. Yeah, it's a true story. But and they go to Bolivia. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's that's the where that came in from. Because I'm trying to like, like, yeah. why did she show us that film? Was well, I, also, dude, you got to remember, and this is for you young people, and. 
the nineties, we would watch random movies. Yeah, they would. You're yeah, correct about that. yeah. Which come to, speaking of Paul Newman, uh, I went to a Catholic school. My theology teacher showed us the verdict. I watched the verdict earlier this year, and I was like, "The Catholic Church is the villain of the yeah, movie." Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. I, I was like texting my friends, and you know some of them, and I was like. Was she trying to tell us something? <laughs> she may have been. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, I would highly recommend Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid because I'm going to tell you, t- two two men have never looked better on screen than Paul Newman. Yeah, those two together. And it's so funny. It's just enjoyable. And there is a It has a callback to Andor. It's been so long as I've seen it. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Well, there's a scene where uh, Sundance can't swim. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I remember that yes. now. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're that's, right. that's one of the big scenes. But there are so there's like Cool Hand Luke has a couple of scenes that uh, that I'm like you you will see other movies and TV shows and commercials. There was actually a Hardy's commercial ripped this off. Butch Cassidy has multiple scenes that you're like, oh man, this is in other movies. So I'm telling you, I would watch both those movies. And uh, the docuseries is six episodes, but it's fascinating just to see that the woman in the relationship who's not as famous. You know, per se, especially mm-hmm. to people like us. Like I knew that was his wife, right. and I and I didn't realize how many of her movies that I had seen because in my mind I had them think I had seen any. But she was fa- fascinating. So the last movie stars on uh, on HBO Max. The last every couple of years, a, uh, Netflix does the smart thing of adding Roadhouse and Point Break to to their. Uh, their uh what would you stock or yeah mm-hmm. and every couple of years i see people going nuts for it on twitter <laughs> because especially uh point break i think people forget how good that movie was especially patrick swayze right. like he is the villain he doesn't show up for 20 minutes and he completely takes the movie over because right. he is one of the best villains you will ever watch in a movie. And I can't, I've can't. i seen multiple tweets where like, man, why has no one talked about this movie? It's unbelievable. And then they watch Roadhouse, and then, you know, Patrick Swayze was a huge star, but he was wasted after that. Oh, yeah. There's so much more we should have got for him. He was once-in-a-lifetime talent, and I'm glad those movies are out there. But they're both on Netflix you know, Roadhouse is cheesy, but it's a lot of fun. It's him and Sam Elliott having right. a good time. You, you cannot. But I'm telling you, Point Break is a really great movie. It's directed by Catherine B- Bigelow, who won the uh, the Oscar for Zero Dark Thirty and for The Hurt Locker, right. which is where Jeremy Renner. Uh, she's a fantastic director. Can't go wrong. And, of course, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey are in these movies as well. So yeah. those are my recommendations. All right. Uh, I've got three. First, I finally got into, uh, broke out my AMC Plus subscription, and I started watching the interview with a vampire. Uh, do you have AMC Plus? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. It's really, really good. I, like, I'm really surprised I like this because, you know, normally I would not, you know, a story about a uh, gay vampire and a bisexual vampire and their love story yeah. would not, like, just really appeal to me. But it is so incredibly well done. And I, did you see the original movie with them? I did, but, you know, I was uh, 18, and uh, quickly, uh, I had a friend who worked at the movies, uh-huh. and uh, we would see the movies first, uh, like, they had to run movies uh-huh. to make sure that they got worked, and so we would have midnight movies, 
and we may have been drinking and stuff, oh. and this movie was on. <laughs> and so uh, I remember we laughed and enjoyed the movie. I, I need to go back and watch it. I remember thinking how impressive these guys well, were. Well, I'm just wondering how, like, I can't, Im- the, I, I can't imagine these the movie and this TV series are that similar because I can't see Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt playing these two characters back in the 90s when they would have done this. Uh, yeah, they probably didn't play it. I think people weren't happy with the movie because it's a huge book series by right. Anne Rice. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think people were happy that the TV show is closer to the books. In fact, I mentioned on this podcast, I think about I uh, got – when my uncle passed away not long ago, uh, he left. He had some like first edition of Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings. He had first edition and Rice, not really. I, Lestat books. Okay. I grabbed those as well. Okay, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to check this out at some point. Yeah, it, it's but, it's, yeah, it's really good. Plus. It's like I said, it is it is really compelling. Um, just completely engrossed. I've gone through. I've not finished it. I've done the first six episodes this week, and I want to try to get the seventh and ep- eighth episode in here in the not too distant future because it is just really compelling and then when they add in claudia who is the teenager in it and she just takes that up just completely another level who was played by kirsten dunce in the original film so yeah and wasn't it like approved for season two pretty quick i think it was Mm -hmm. yeah so uh that it's just really really good like i said i I wasn't when i kind of got into it's like i'm really surprised that i'm enjoying this as much as i am but it's just really compelling uh the, the what they're the story that they're telling uh this my second re- recommendation is more something actually i'm looking forward to and i've got, forgot to mention it in our uh looking forward to this week the third episode the third season of mythic quest is on apple plus now yeah and i need to watch that because it's such a good yeah. show oh my goodness, no no f Murray abraham i hear though oh is he not in it this this season I, I don't think he's supposed to have a big as big a part oh well that stinks i hate that but i'm, I'm sure they'll still do a good job with it so uh still looking forward to it though uh i'm gonna watch watch that as well i love that show i'm gonna try and i'm not sure i'm gonna be successful uh but i want to try to recommend some christmas movies as we get into the christmas season and one of this uh, one of the my one of the instant classic one of my immediately favorite christmas movies uh came out last year on hbo max if you are a child of the 80s you have to watch 8-bit christmas I've not watched this, and I've heard multiple people mention this. Yeah, it I is need to, I need to watch so this. good, especially, like I said, people our age, the yeah. nostalgia you will get watching 8-Bit Christmas is just it's just like overwhelming. It is done so very, very well. I love that movie. I convinced my wife to watch it. Like, I was like, you you have to watch this movie. I know you don't like, like to watch a lot of the stuff that I watch, and you don't like a lot of the shows I like, but you have to watch this. You will love this. And she finally did, and she's like, oh, yeah, that was really good. I'm glad we watched that. It is so, so very good. So if you're looking for another Christmas movie, and you're, like I said, you're a, kind of a child age, or maybe they're right there you know, at the beginning of the 90s, that's kind of where you grew up in. It is absolutely fantastic. You will love it. Uh, it is It is funny. It is uh, poignant. It is touching. And like I said, it, it does everything that a Christmas movie should do. It, it makes you laugh. Uh, it kind of gets close to making you cry at times. It's just so very, very good. I love that Well, film. I'm going through the cast. I see Neil Patrick Harris and Steve Zahn are listed as the top cast. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. And June Diane Raphael, who I love as well. So I'm, I'm in. 
David yeah. Cross. I'm in. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is playing because the, he is the older version of the kid in the in the movie, and he's kind of like the narrator in it. Okay. Uh, and Steve Zahn plays his dad as in the '80s when they are back in the '80s, and they're actually telling the actual story that uh, that he's telling. It's almost. Oh, and I bet I bet June Diane is the wife, his mom. Yeah, mom. she is. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're you're correct. She's about really that. funny. Yeah, it is. It's just really good. I, I love that film. Like I said, I turned it on one night. I'd heard some good things about it. I went ahead and turned it on one night last year during Christ- the Christmas season, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is this is one of the best things I've ever seen, and I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I'm gonna watch that this week. Yeah, it's just really really good. So, uh, I guess that wraps us up for this week. Unless you got anything else? No, just uh, appreciate everyone joining us, and we will talk to you next time. I would echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.